How's everybody doing tonight? You having a good camp so far? Did you enjoy the team competitions today? Come on. I heard a blue team yell. Yellow team? Red team? Green team? Pretty good. Hey, so uh, tonight uh, we're going to have a great night and we're going to have some fun stuff to do after the service as well. And I just want to remind you also, uh, our notebooks are over there. They are free, so you can make sure you get one, the Good News Notebooks. And also, after service, we're going to have some merch that is not free, but you can go over and buy it at the end of the service. Hey, so we're excited tonight. Um, this guy that's coming to preach right now, uh, he spoke last year for the first time. And uh, he did such an amazing job, we said, you're automatically invited next year. So uh, we're a man of our word, just like Jesus is. And uh, we said, Caleb, you got to come back. You got to preach. You did an amazing job. Up to then, I never even heard him speak. And I've known him my whole life. Um, so once I heard him speak, I was like, wow, you're the most amazing speaker. And peace officer slash football player slash he can do everything. And uh, he's awesome. And I really... Uh, Appreciate the gift that's on his life, and of course the whole Rogan family. You know they can all preach, they can all minister, uh, there's anointing on that family, so we're going to respond tonight, we're going to receive everything that uh, Caleb's going to share with us tonight, and uh, let's just give it up for Caleb Rogan tonight. Come on, Caleb. We are honored to have you back at summer camp. Come on, keep it up. Come on. Well, praise God. You can be seated. I am excited. I'm turned up to be here today. We're going to have a great time in um, the Word tonight. And I want to thank uh, Pastor Jordan for the invitation. I want to thank the body that had a hand in doing this. Uh, this is always like a big time thing for me. So um, I'm always impressed by the work you guys do, especially during this time frame. Um, I want to thank you guys for putting us on steel this year. And uh, Got the Trailblazers in the back, Dr. Jacobs and Pastor Diana. I want to thank them as well. All the pastors back there. I look up to all you guys, and you guys are great mentors, and I, I want to thank all you guys for coming. Uh, well, uh, first things first, I got a boot on my leg. If you look down, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. If you see me limping, um, it was, it's, a, it's a short story, you know. Um, my wife asked me to uh, stay home and watch a movie with her. And I was like, you know, but my friends were asking me to go play basketball. And I was like, man, I'm kind of feeling like Kobe today. <laughs> so I was like, you can watch the movie tonight, you know. So I went out and, um, of course, I was feeling like Kobe. So I shot all my, I, shot, I took I got all my touches in, you know, and every shot come down. Kobe. It wasn't going in, but I was still saying Kobe, <laughs> you know. And eventually, uh, my shot wasn't falling, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to the hole this time. I'm going to take somebody to the hole this time. I had Bradford guarding me, my brother-in-law, some of y'all know who that is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Bradford to the hole. So uh, I drive in, and I, I go up, and I say, finger roll. And then I look down in midair, and I'm like, uh-oh, because there was nowhere to land. So um, before I knew it, I was in the hospital, and I had to get surgery on my Achilles. So, but I'm, but I'm healing just fine. And... Every day I sit on the couch and I'm like, man, 
I should have just watched that movie. <laughs> so that's the moral of the story. If you're ever going to get married, probably listen to your wife, every, probably listen to your wife, okay? Time. It, it goes a long ways, amen? So, and, and before I get started, man, uh, it's 2020, man, it's, it's, it's a weird time, and I want to just uh, encourage you guys not to be distracted, amen? You know, not, not to dis- be distracted by the news and social media and all the stuff that's going on today, because if you do, you, you'll lose track, amen? You'll lose track, and, you know, I've been around long enough to realize the news is just here to either scare you or make you mad. Every time you watch it, they want to either scare you or make you mad, and I've been through it all, the new millennium, they wanted to scare you then, and, um, you know, I remember anthrax in the mail, you know, some of y'all too young to remember that, but they said that there was like this death powder in the mail that people were sneaking in the post office and putting in there, and, you know, and you open it up to read your Capital One, and you just fall out, (laughs) and... You know, and, and, you know, people were scared of me checking the mail for a month. So um, that's when I knew I was her least favorite child. So uh, she's like, go get that mail, boy, and read it outside. Read it, read it aloud. How much I owe? <laughs> so, yeah, so just stay plugged in, amen? Stay plugged in. But you can turn with me to uh, John chapter 11, and I'll be reading it out of the NIV. You know, um, every country, you know, has its own society, different, you know, different culture. Um, in, in America, you know, we say that if you're over 18, you're officially an adult. And we expect you to get ready for the real world. And, um, you know, once you turn 18, your parents are secretly debating on how to kick you out of the house. It's time, to, it's time to buckle up your chin strap and get ready for the real world. You go off to college, you, um, you go to the military, you go to the workforce. It's, you know, it's, it's time to get ready for the real world. It's time to get ready for uh, real life, what real life is going to throw at you. I remember turning 18 and um, I was signing up for the, what's it, the selective service and I was asking this, this guy, I was like, what is, what is this? And he's like, in case the military ever gets short, he's like, they're going to send you over there to go fight Al-Qaeda, all right? I was like, do I get a choice? He's like, no, unless you can cut your big toe off or something, you know, that's what's going to happen. And then I go to the, I go to the workforce, and uh, the workforce, they tell me, uh, I go to UPS, they send me in the back of a, a truck and unload boxes, and I'm like, man, this is tough. This is, this is real life, you know, this is tough. And I get home, I'm like, I got, I got to Google this, because they had me working like six hours straight unloading a hot truck. I'm like, man, this got to this be some, like, some kind of federal labor laws or something. So, you know, you know, that's not necessarily true that at 18, you get ready for real life. Because the devil did not get that memo. Because when I look at the suicide rates, they say the, the only growing suicide demographic are the young people. Young people, they said one out of seven people who are teenagers have at least thought about suicide. The devil is attacking young people more than ever. Young people today are, are more depressed than ever, more hopeless than ever, and they need the, the message of faith more than ever. Amen. They need to hear the good news more than ever before. And the devil does not discriminate. He does not wait till you turn 18 and be like, all right, it's time for real life. Let's go get after him. No, he will come after you at 2, 5, 16, 18. He came after Jesus at 2. 
He's, and his resume is still the same. He's, he's out to kill, steal, and to destroy. But the good news is, the Bible says that God sent his word, amen, to heal us and to deliver us, amen? That's the good news, amen? And I, I don't care how long, you know, you go to church and you can read the Bible frontwards to backwards, amen? But until you really learn how to fight, amen, fight the good fight of faith because Sometimes we don't really understand that we think the Bible is not, not for fighters. No, the Bible is all about fighting, amen? The Bible says, the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, amen? It talks about put on, putting on the full armor of God, the full armor of God. The Bible, it, it's all about fighters, men and women who fought, amen? Men and women who weren't scared, amen? Men and women who were able to believe in, believe in a promise, amen? And what it, no matter what it looked like, no matter what happened, they still believed in the promise, they held, they, held, they held it and they stood firm, amen? That's what the Bible's about. It's about fighters, amen? People who knew how to fight. And if you're going to be successful at this thing, amen, and be effective in this life, you must know how, know how to fight and have some fight in you, amen? I was, I was listening to a, uh, a, a former boxer trainer, and, and they were interviewing him, and they asked him, they said, explain to me, uh, tell me about this, this former boxer. And if I, if I said his name, everybody would know who he is. But I'm not going to say his name because he might have fans in here and I might get canceled if I, you know, if I, if, I, if I say the wrong thing about him. But I was shocked at what the trainer said. He was like, he's like, everybody's impressed with him except me. They asked him why. They said, why are you? He's like, he was the most ferocious boxer of all time. He said, but yeah. He said, he won a lot of fights because people were scared of him. He said, but whenever he fought somebody that wasn't scared of him, the few times that he fought somebody that wasn't scared about how hard he hit, the few times he fought somebody that was willing to go the distance, amen, he said he lost every time. This thing is about how much fight, how much endurance you have. Now, Navy SEALs, they're not picking out the fastest guy, the strongest guy. They're picking out the people who have the most endurance, the ones that are least likely to quit. You know, we can't really smack the enemy physically, but the way we fight him, the, the, the way we fight him spiritually is we hold on to a promise. We hold on to a word. No matter what it looks like, we hold on to a word, amen? We hold on to the word. Paul speaks of an engrafted word, amen? A word that's stuck to you. It's, it's ingrained in you. It's ingrained in you. He said, he said that engrafted word was meant to save you. We have, to, we have to hold tight to words, amen, from God, amen? His word is sent to heal us and to save us, amen? You're at John chapter 11, amen? Well, praise God. I'm going to read all the, this whole uh, chapter, amen, because I want, I, want to really, I, want you to, I want you to understand that um, I want you to understand that his, his, his promises, amen, we have, to, we have to understand that if we're ever going to really get to know who he is in our lives, we have to go, we have to go through this process the whole way, amen, the whole way through it, the whole way through it. We, we, can't, we can't just look at the beginning and the middle. No, we have to see this thing to the end because it was David who said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've, seen, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Amen. He was the one that saw this. He, he's, he's the one that took a word and saw this thing all the way through. Amen. He said, I've been young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God not come through. Amen. 
oh, I've seen trouble, but I've never seen him not come through, amen. I've never seen him not restore. I've never seen him not bring peace. I've never seen him not bring hope. Oh, I've seen trouble, but I've never seen him not come through. He's an end of the story, God, amen. The middle might not look, look, look good. The beginning might not look good, but at the end of the story, amen, we're, we're singing the song, amen. What, what does the song say? When I look back over my life and I think things over, and I can truly say that he's been good to me, amen. I can truly say he's been good to me. It's been some hard times, but, he, but when I look back, he was with me the whole time. He was with me the entire time. And as I read this, I want you to, I want to emphasize his promised word to you, amen, that no matter what it looks like, you can stand up and say, yeah, it don't look good right now, but I know at the end of the story, he causes all things to work out for the good of those who love him. At the end of the story, I'm more than a conqueror. At the end of the story, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, amen. He's an end of story, God, and I want you to, I want to start right here, and I'm going to read, I'm going to skip a lot because it's a, it's a whole chapter, so I'm going to skip a lot. So if you fall asleep, I'm going to wake you up here in a second, okay? <laughs> now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. Now it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. After he had said this, he, um, skip down to verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciple replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he plainly told them, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Jesus, I was glad I was not there. So that you may believe, let us go to him. When, skip down to verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God, will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, answered and said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah the son of God, and who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Skip down to 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her, along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in, in, in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Take away the stone, he said, verse 39. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and clothed around his face. Amen. So the first thing I want to I want to get you to realize here is that Mary and Martha, John's the writer, he says that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are loved by Jesus. Amen. He, sp- he speaks of them individually, and that really ever happens in the Bible where they speak individually of people that Jesus loved. And so we have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who it's well known around town that these are Jesus' crew. Amen. If there's a cookout, you got to invite, and Jesus is having a cookout, you got to invite Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Because Jesus is a party without Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Amen. And then the flip side, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus love Jesus, amen? Mary is the same woman who got on her knees, amen, and, and worshiped Jesus and washed his feet. This is, this is the same Mary, amen? And, and, the, and, the, and John is emphasizing that when, he, when he's writing, amen? And so we have the perfect connection here. Both parties love each other, amen? And I'm, I'm intrigued by people who love Jesus, amen? You know, I, I love hearing about the Jesus... You know, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus hearing the, healing the lepers, the blind man, and, and healing, you know, all of his miracles. I love hearing them, but I'm more intrigued by the people who love Jesus, amen? Not just the people who love what they could get from Jesus, but the people who actually love Jesus, amen? The ones that, the ones that carried the cross for him, the ones that stood at the cross when he, when he was hung on the cross, amen? The ones that ran to the tomb when they found the body, was, heard the body was missing, amen? I love hearing about the people who love Jesus, because if you go around church today, man, not, not these churches, but if you go around church today and, and do research on who actually loves Jesus and who actually just is there because they love the idea of what Jesus can do for them, you will find a, you will find a huge discrepancy, amen? A huge discrepancy. And one of the prerequisites Jesus asked when he, when he was trying to put Peter back into the ministry, he said, Peter, do you love me? Amen. So I'm intrigued by Mary and Martha just simply because I know they love Jesus. Amen. And then they write the perfect letter. They say, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. If you know anything about Jesus, he loves to know that you know that he loves you. John even went as far as to say, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, amen? It's the perfect connection. Perfect letter, perfect connection. I used to be a police officer. And there are certain people who understand the system better than other people. So people, you know, as a police officer, you're dealing with the same people, you know, particularly every day. It's the same people. It's not different people. It's the same people. And they understand and the people who, are, who deal with the police the most understand the system sometimes better than the police. Some people understand the, the, booking, the booking process, the court process, the probation process better than the police do. Because they're there all the time. I'd be riding around. I'd just see a guy I see every day. I'm like, what's up, Carl? You know, and deep down, I'm like, Carl probably got warrants, but I ain't even going to look. <laughs> and Carl knows everything about the process, the booking process. But then you get somebody who's never been arrested before. You know, they, it's, it's their first time ever getting arrested. And, you know, you take, take them to booking, and, and you, they get, they're asking all these questions like, you know, I find out, sir, uh, 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 what's, what's this process going to be like? And, you know, and asking all these questions, and I'm like, bro, I know this is going to sound weird, but 
I ain't never been to jail before, man. This, this line right here is as far as I go. So, like, once you go through those doors, you're going to know more than I know about what happens. Like, like, you know. And then you get people that they call the police um, all the time. Amen. They know the system better than somebody who don't call the police at all. They understand how to get a faster response because they have a relationship with the police department. You might have two women in the same exact scenario. They might call the police and the same scenario but get two different responses because somebody understands the correct response to get the police there faster. The, a first lady might call and say, you know, my boyfriend pushed me and, you know, um, uh, and, you know, I want to prosecute. And the dispatcher might say, ma'am, does he have weapons? No, ma'am, he doesn't have any weapons. Is he still there? No, he's, you know, he's outside on the porch. You know, I wish to prosecute. And the dispatcher might say, ma'am, we're going to send officers over there as soon as we can, okay? Okay. Now, somebody who calls the police all the time knows a little bit different. It, their call is going to sound a little bit different. It sounds something like, you know, Oh, my God, my boyfriend almost just killed me. Oh, he almost just killed me. Uh, he, he threatened me. Threatened my life three times, not once, three times. Uh, man, does he have weapons? Yes, he got two grenades, five guns. He got one of them big guns, ones that go big guns, big guns. Big guns. Big. And he said, you better bring back up because he's going to turn this thing into the wild, wild west. Ma'am, what's his name? What's his name, ma'am? His name is Carl, you know. <laughs> Carl's in trouble. That le the first lady who called is going to get a, she, she got to wait until we, we deal with Carl first. Carl's going to see helicopters, police dogs, and everything, all because this woman over here had the perfect response to get the police there faster. She knew what she was doing. This is the same scenario. Mary and Martha know exactly the perfect message to send to Jesus. They say, Jesus, the one that you love, is sick. And Jesus sends back a message, and he says, the sickness shall not end in death. This is my promise, amen? The sickness shall not end in death. And, you know, I, I love, you know, sometimes, you know, I wish, like, you know, it had be, been awesome to live back in the day where you're walking around in the flesh, you know. You could call him up for anything. Oh, Jesus, my toe was hurting, you know. I know for certain if Jesus was here in the flesh right now, he'd, have, he'd be on speed dial for everything under the sun. I'd be calling him like, Jesus, the Titans are down by two. If we could just get this field goal in the last second, Jesus, you know. But this scenario, Mary and Martha are just like us. They, they, send, they send for Jesus and all he, all he sends is, his, is the word, amen. That's all he sends to them is his word. And Mary and Martha were probably some church-going women, amen? They were probably some church-going women because, they, you know, they loved Jesus. So they probably received the word and they went to the room. And I want to be a fly on the wall because the Bible is good at giving us point A to point B. But in between, you've got to use your own imagination of what happened in between. So I want to be a fly on the wall when they go back in the room and tell last, Jesus just sent a letter back and he said, the sickness will not end in death. Everything's going to be all right, Lazarus. The sickness is not going to end in death. 
I want to be a fly on the wall when they came back into the room and he looked worse than he did before. And they, said, they still said, no, well, Jesus said the sickness won't end in death. So it's okay that it looks bad now. You know, it's okay because Jesus promised us this. And I want to be a fly on the wall when they came back again. Amen. They came back again and now he stopped breathing. Well, still, Jesus said the sickness won't end in death. Maybe this is just like a, I don't know, maybe this is just a, some kind of scam. No, the sickness is not going to end in death. And then I want to be a fly on the wall when they begin to wrap his, finally begin to wrap his body up. They finally gave in and quit, amen? I want to be a fly on the wall right then and there when they begin to wrap his body and they called out for the men to carry his body to the tomb. A fly on the wall, they walked to the tomb. Well, fly in the air. As they walked to the tomb. And they walked to the tomb confused, thinking, Jesus' word did not come to pass in my life. His word failed in my life. Where is Jesus? Why did he not come when I asked him to come? Finally, they, they get back in, and finally Jesus decides to come. Amen? A couple days later, here come Jesus. And Mary stays in the house. Martha waits for him at the gate. Martha had some sister tendencies in her. If you, are, if you have a mama or if you have a wife, you understand what it's like to come back home to a mad woman. Jesus is coming to these gates to meet a mad woman. Martha's probably standing at the gate, arms crossed. Here he come. Here he come right beside Peter. Here he come. Here he come. Jesus, over here, come here. Jesus. The Bible says she, she runs to Jesus and she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have been here, he would not have died. Where did you not come when we called you, Jesus? She cries at his feet. She says, why did you not come? And then what, this, this is what got me about Martha. She was church going. Martha was church going. Because she, she drives the tears off of her face, and she looks up and says, but even now, Jesus, you can still turn this thing around. And when you can look at something dead in your life, and you can say, even now, Jesus, you can still turn this thing around. Amen. Yeah, yeah. My, my dream don't look good. The vision don't look good. My future don't look good. It, it looks dead, and it's not breathing, but even now, you can still turn this thing around. Martha's going to make it. Jesus gets excited. He likes this. He likes faith. He says, go get Mary. I want to hear from Mary. I want to hear what Mary has to say. Mary didn't come when Jesus came. She didn't have much to say to Jesus. But I still respect Mary because, because she's sitting there crying in the corner, but when Jesus calls, she runs to him. Amen? Because if, if you've done this thing long enough, there's some, there's some of us that's just in your veins where you don't know how to quit, amen? You don't know how not to go to church, amen? Life is messed up. I don't know how not to worship him. I don't know how not to praise him, amen? I don't know how not to quit. I, I, I just don't know how not to do that, amen? It's part of me. When Jesus calls, I run to him no matter what's going on in my life. So she gets up and she runs to Jesus. She runs to Jesus. She falls at his feet and she says, Jesus had you had been here, my brother would not have died. But unlike Martha, she didn't have anything else to say after that. She didn't have an even now spirit. She just began to weep and cry. And the Bible says Jesus, looking, looking at her and looking at the others, was deeply troubled. 
But this is what gets me, amen, is he said, he said this. He said, where did you lay him, amen? And they, they point to where they laid him. They point to where they laid him, and that's when Jesus began to weep. And it took me a while to figure that out. I was like, why is Jesus weeping? You know, he's, he's heard the news of John the Baptist before. He's heard about people dying. He's heard of tragedies before. Why is he weeping all of a sudden, amen? And he doesn't weep until he finds out that they buried Lazarus. He knew Jesus was about to, he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why is he weeping? But he only weeps when he knows Lazarus is buried. Why did you bury something I promised was going to live? Why did you bury something I promised you was going to live? I don't care that his body began to decompose. I don't care that he stopped breathing. I promised you that the sickness won't end in death. Quit burying stuff I promised you was going to live. Why did you bury him? That's it's the most trouble we, we've ever seen, Jesus. He gives someone a word and promises something is going to live, but yet you buried it. Quit burying dreams. Quit burying visions. Quit burying hope for your future. Amen. Quit burying stuff that God said was going to live. So what, what, does he do? what does he do? He says, let's take the same walk and go back to the tomb. The same walk you took, the same walk where you said my word failed in your life, let's take that very same walk. The same walk where you wasn't a way maker, let's take that very same walk back. You're going to learn today that no matter what it looks like in your life, if I give you a promise, you better hold to it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it looks like it's dead. Hold to it. Quit burying stuff I said was going to live. He gets to the tomb and he says, since you rolled forth the tomb, roll away the tomb. Rayla roll the stone, amen. He says, he says, Lazarus, come out. And I said, I said, Jesus, why did you make them wait so long? No. Why did you make them? You could have you did this days prior. But he said, remember, he said, this is for the glory of God, amen. I want to prove to you that no matter what it looks like in your life, no matter what, even if it, even if it is dead, I am the resurrection, amen. I am the resurrection. I am the truth and the life, amen. Stop burying stuff I was going to live, amen. When God makes you a promise, that promise is designed to see you through, Amen. You will never get to know God to, to your fullest, amen, until you follow through with the promise. David was never going to know who God really was until he followed through to, with, for a promise, amen. Abraham was never going to know who God really was. Caleb and Joshua were never going to know who God really was until they followed through with the promise, amen. Caleb, Caleb gets, to, gets to the promised land, and he's... He's where God designed for him to be in the promised land, but yet he begins to look back over his life and think of everything that God took him through. Amen. He said, I'm stronger today than when I was when I started. And all of a sudden, because he followed through with the word, he looks up to a mountaintop. Amen. And he says, God, give me that mountain. But with the promise, it, it raises your demand level. Amen. God loves people who put a demand on them, amen. Jabez put a demand on him. He said, all we know about Jabez in the Bible, it's the shortest, it's the shortest verse about a man in the Bible. All we know about Jabez, he said, is he was faithful, and he said, God enlarged my territory, and God did it. 
Following a word, amen, puts a higher demand on your life, amen. You're able to put a, a higher demand. And for every promise that God gives you, every promise that he gives you, don't be discouraged by how, by how big it looks. Because every, sometimes promises come with irony. The, the sickness won't end in death, but do die. Abraham, you're the father of many nations. Dude can't have kids. Paul, I'm a, I'm a, you're going to be the writer of three-fourths of the New Testament. Dude was killing Christians. I love the story about Dr. Jacobs. My dad said, I went back to his hometown, and he said he, he, he showed me all, the, his, all, his, all of his memories, and he pointed to a church, and he said, that's the church where they prayed for me. My mama and them, they prayed for me right here at this church when I was shooting up drugs. Little did they know... That, that man was going to be a prophet, amen? The older irony. So what, don't, be, don't be shocked what God does in your life, amen, because every promise sometimes comes with irony. It, nobody in your family did it. That's the whole point. It's the irony. It's not supposed to look possible. It's not supposed to look possible. If it, if it was possible, you did it. It's not supposed to look possible. I want to give you two things, amen, to help you stay with the word. Number one is you got to cultivate it. You got to cultivate it. You got, you, got to, you got to speak it every day. You are who you say you are. The Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue. You want to give life to something, you got to speak it. You got to speak that word, amen. Give life to word, you got to speak it. You have to forgive people. You have to love people, amen? Cultivating and speaking and loving it and loving people and forgiving. Don't let, don't let, your, don't let your, your breakthrough be hindered because you mad at, you mad at Sally. Number two. Pray for one another, amen? Because I mentioned earlier that young people, young people need God more than ever. They need God more than ever. They, they, they need the message of faith more than ever. And I, I like when, when Peter was going through, before Jesus left, he told Peter, he said, Peter, I prayed for you. That the enemy doesn't sift you, amen? I prayed that, when, I, I prayed that your faith fail you not. When he comes... That your faith fail you not, amen? The enemy is coming to sift you like wheat, he said. He said, but when he comes, I'm praying that your faith fail you not. And everybody, everybody in this, in this, in the, under my sound of my voice is a part of a particular church. And I want you to learn to pray for one another. Because here's Jesus. He's, he's not praying that the storm doesn't come, amen? He's praying that your faith fail you not. That when push comes to shove, you still got some tenacity and some grit, and your faith fail you not. You can hold to the word, amen. So when somebody's going through something, don't always worry about the circumstance, amen. Just pray that their faith fail them not, amen. That no matter what it looks like, their faith fails them not. Amen. So glory to God. Can you stand on your feet? Can I get the praise team?
The sickness shall not end in death. Amen? Don't bury something I promised you was going to live. Can somebody get this podium for me, please? And I want you to be real with yourself today, no matter who's around you. I want you to be real with yourself. I want you to, I want you to look yourself in the mirror, and I want you to really think, amen, and really self-examine yourself. Have you, have you buried anything, amen, that was supposed to be living, amen? Have you buried something that was supposed to be living? God, God, under the sound of my voice, God has given every single person in here a promise and a word. When he created you, he said, I created you for my workmanship. I've given you, with life comes purpose. With purpose comes a word and a promise. And every person in here has a promise, amen, over their life. You've got a word over your life. You get it by spending time with them. You get it by be, being in meetings like this where you begin to figure out who you really are. And you have to go with it with all diligence. Amen. And tonight, I want to pray for people. And you got to be honest with yourself that you say, yeah, that that thing right there in my life, it was supposed to be living, but I buried it. About your family, maybe it's something about your future, your destiny, your purpose. You said, it's supposed to be living, but yeah, I'm going to be honest with myself, I buried it. Those are the people I'm going to pray for today. Amen. That's you. I don't care. I don't care anything about your neighbor. I want you to come up here, amen. You said that thing is supposed to be living. I'm being honest, I buried it. It's supposed to be living. 